listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. The scripture reading today is found on Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. Um, that's found in the Bible, the Pew Bible, pages 851 and 852. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abram far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham. If someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Good morning, and happy Father's Day. This is indeed a, a very happy Father's Day for me. I have both of my wonderful children here, and that is just the most awesome Father's Day gift that I could ever have. My daughter has never heard me preach before, so if she ever comes back to church again, it will be amazing. But my son, my wonderful son, has heard me preach before, and he has come back, and I find that even more amazing. So, and our best friends are here, and this is just a wonderful day. The year was uh, 33 AD or thereabouts, and Jesus was preaching to his disciples. But the Pharisees were within earshot, and this was intentional on Jesus' part. And the last thing that he preached on, this last 
parable that he taught was about the shrewd manager and it ended up with humans cannot serve God and money. And the Pharisees didn't like that at all. They didn't care for it. So the next one, this Lazarus and the rich man, they're just not going to like that at all. Because the Pharisees believe two, two things. One of them is that if you were rich and well-off and so forth, and you'd followed all the dietary laws, you'd followed the, uh, um, you didn't work from Friday night to Saturday night, you stayed in the house, and if you, um, um, you made all the sacrificial things, you brought a goat once a year, and you did all these things, and you followed all these steps and the rules and regulations, that you would be blessed, that you were in right standing with God, that you were righteous and good things would happen to you. And in the rich man's case, this obviously must be what's happening. And on the other hand, if there was some sin in your life, your parents' life, your grandparents' life, it must be because you didn't follow all the rules and regulations right to a T, and you were cursed. And they got this idea probably from Moses thinking in, uh, in his in Deuteronomy, where God said through Moses that if you follow all these laws, you'll be blessed, and if you don't, you'll be cursed. Well, they carried it to a new level. They just, this obsessed their life following all these laws and so forth. And they thought that the rich man would think that Lazarus was a sinner, he was untouchable, he was unclean, didn't want anything to do with him, and so forth. And the other thing that the Pharisees believed was that there's this intermediate stage. When you die, you're put in the grave, and the Hebrew word for grave is Sheol, and it was under the ground, and it was under Jerusalem. Now, Sheol, this, now they, were, they would go there when you die and await the final um, reckoning when God came to judge the world. And so they would go there. Sheol, under the ground, was divided into two parts. One part was under the temple, and this was for the righteous. And this was paradise. This is where Father Abraham was. And there was a conscious kind of thing. They could converse. And uh, Pastor Dan likes to say they, Abraham was throwing a party down there. They were all partying with Abraham. And it was a good time, and it was wonderful while you waited. your. But on the other hand, if you were a sinner, you would go to the, the part in Sheol under the ground that was under the dump. Now, how many of you recall Pastor Dan preaching on... Gehenna, okay? Fires burning all the time. Um, the poor, the lepers, the thieves, the robbers would live there. It, was, it stunk. It was just the garbage dump, and it was just disgusting. Well, underneath that was where sinners, the unrighteous, would go. So you had these two parts in Sheol. So this is what the Pharisees believed. So with this story of... of uh, of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man wakes up and he finds himself in Gehenna. And he says, whoa, something's wrong here. Something is amiss. What am, I, what am I missing here in this big picture? And he starts to think, and he's got to, you know, this doesn't say this in the Bible, but he's got to start thinking, what did I miss? What's wrong? The, our fortunes have been reversed and whatnot. And he says, oh, man, I'm... I'm hot. Oh, man, I'm in torture. He's, Father Abraham, uh, Father Abraham, can I hit, would you send Lazarus? Just give me a drop of water, anything. I'm in torture here. Father Abraham says to him, no way. Ain't happening, dude. No, that's not the way it works. You're in Gehenna, and 
Lazarus is in paradise. And see this big chasm right down the middle in between us? You can't come there, he can't come, and there's no going back, and that's all there is to it. Because when you're dead, it's too late. And that's a message that, that he wanted, Father Abraham wanted to give him. So the, oh, he's thinking, he's thinking, oh, this is torturous. This is just, how, this is for, how am I going to live like, this is just, wait a minute. Wait, hold the phone, he says. I have five brothers back living in my dad's house, and they're living the same way I am. They got a nice purple shirt on um, like Jim's got, and they're living in the lap of luxury, and it's just absolutely wonderful. But they're going to wind up here too. Father, Abe, Father Abraham, would you please send Lazarus back to tell my five brothers? And Father Abraham says, dude, did I not just tell you there's this chasm, you're there, and, and no, you can't go back. It doesn't work that way. Because, if you remember, when you're dead, it's too late. Can't, can't do it. So, oh man, he's just, he's just. Here's the part that I want us to focus on today. The next thing, do we have, is there any way that we have uh, verse 29 on there? Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Travis. Uh, not, this, not this song, verse 29. It doesn't matter. If you can find it, don't worry about it. All right, verse 29 in this, in this scripture says, this is Father Abraham telling, um, telling the rich man, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. And if that doesn't do it for him, tell him how to teach him how to live, then we're in a world of trouble. Well, what, in 2019, what does Moses and the prophets mean to us? It means basically nothing, right? Well, let me give you a short explanation here. The first two-thirds of this Bible is what they call the Old Testament. So many of you know this. Please forgive, bear with me. And this part is the New Testament. The Old Testament was written before Jesus, and the New Testament was written after Jesus. So to them... This was Moses and the prophets. And we can think of the Old Testament when we hear this scripture that Moses and the prophets, we can think of this. Well, let's cut them some slack. Maybe, maybe, maybe there was a lot more to this blessing and curse business. Follow the laws and be blessed. Don't follow the laws and be cursed. Maybe there's something to that. Or then again, maybe there was a little bit more in the Old Testament, in Moses and the Prophets, that had to do with being kind to your neighbor, taking care of the, of the poor and the misfortunate, the marginalized, the outcasts, the lepers, the beggars, taking care of people like that. And as it turns out, there are, well, I forget exactly what the count is, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 539 phrases and verses in the Old Testament, Proverbs, Isaiah, um, you name it, that have to do with exactly that, where God speaks through this book and tells them and told them, because Pastor Dan tells us that these Pharisees would have been well-versed in this, and they would know this, and they should know this, that it takes to take care of the poor and the marginalized, and it's over and over and over again, we go to the New Testament, of course. We all know that. That was Jesus' basic message, was to love, love. We, we know from the Old and the New Testament, love God and love your neighbors 
And the whole message of this thing is to take care of your neighbors and the poor and, and the marginalized and so forth. So I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, hmm, oh, man, yeah, oh, I think I'm getting the message, and uh, oh, this is great, and uh, yeah. wait a minute, hold the phone. I've got five brothers. Well, I don't, I don't really have five brothers, okay? But I have five people that I care about deeply. Um, guy that I used to work with, um, neighbors. Um, there's, there's people, and I'm sure that you all have people that you know, rel friends, relatives, neighbors, co-workers, who probably don't have any kind of relationship with God. They, uh, the, the chances are good that they don't go to church, they probably don't read the Bible, um, and how often they pray to him, talk to, talk to God, probably not so much. Can anybody relate, anybody know people like that, that they love, they care about? Well, let me tell you a little story. There's a buddy of mine that lives down off the West Sweden Road, his name is Roger, and I used to work with him years ago, and he's an awesome guy. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, his family is a model family. His, his, they, he, his, he and his wife never argue, at least not that I know of, and their kids do get good grades in school. They're respectful. They're soccer kids. It's just a wonderful, wonderful, giving, loving, sharing family. Problem is that Roger doesn't believe in this religious business. He's just, for whatever reason, he's, he's yeah, and I don't know, Doc, that's good for you. You know, that's, that's not my thing. Well, this bothers me because I would love for Roger and his family to experience what we can experience here as a church family. I mean, we get together and we worship and, and together and, and drink, eat cookies together, which I shouldn't eat. And we have, and I would want them to experience this because I think the church environment fosters a better relationship with God. And I think that was God's plan back in Acts 2 when he, that's, Acts 2 is a, a, a book in the Bible I'll talk about maybe in a minute here. I'll talk about it right now. Acts 2, the guy who wrote um, this, this uh, gospel, God, Luke, who was the doctor, also wrote the next book right after, um, that's featured right after the four Gospels, and it's called the Book of Acts. And all, basically what it is is just how the early church got started, okay? The, the early, the, here's what the church is, the ideal church back then. They, they got together and they ate together. Uh, they call it breaking bread, but we have cookies that we can break here. And we have the community dinner and all those sorts of things. And uh, they took care of each other. They prayed together. They sang hymns together. Oh, man, I hope they sang the ones, but they probably didn't. I know they weren't even written then. But by the way, you played two of my favorites today. Thank you. Can, can I talk you into playing those two every week? No, I guess I can't. But I just, man, I love them. They're great. They're excellent ones. And uh, people got together in the early church, and they took care of herself. Well, that was the ideal church, and the ideal church today is the same deal. It's the same kind of thing, where people get together, and there's a community, and they do things for each other, and they take care of the poor, and they, and they sing hymns together and so forth. It shouldn't be all that much different today than what it was 2,000 years ago. And this church, I think, is a real good example of an Acts 2 church, okay? Not saying we're perfect, but listen, I got to tell you a couple stories. 
there's certain things that, that a church needs to be kind of like this Acts 2 church. You need good welcoming, and you need good music, and you need good preaching, and there's a, well, that's not an exhaustive list. Of course, you need great programs for your children, and this is, these are probably some of the most important things you can do in a church. Well, in this particular church, um, the first time Sue and I walked in, we came in through that door over there, and we locked in, and people were in the in the fellowship hall, and they're talking to each other. And I looked at Sue, and Sue looked at me and said, this is going to be just like every other church we've tried. They're, they got their in-group going on, and we're outsiders, and nobody's going to pay. All of a sudden, this guy saunters over, didn't rush over to us and glom onto us like, um, like uh, hey, who are you? Where'd you come from? Uh, what church you come from? How come you're coming here? What's the deal? Didn't make us feel awkward in any way. It was just, it was just, uh, he started out with something like, hey, isn't this crazy weather we're having? And it was just, it put, all of a sudden, it just, whoosh. and we didn't talk for long, but a few minutes and whatnot, but we were like, yeah, this is cool, you know, this is, this is nice and relaxing and a, and a good way to be welcome to a church. The next week, he held the doors shut so we couldn't get in. Now, I, I won't mention Betty's husband's name or anything like that, so, <laughs> so you know who it is. But um, it, was, it was just a wonderful experience, okay? And then we come in, and it happened to be a, uh, a communion Sunday. And we sang the Our Father. To this day, when Kim gets cranking on the organ for that, and I hear some of these wonderful, phenomenal voices, we, we sit behind Harold, and he just, he just went, and he just, and it's awesome. I tear up. Okay, I'm a big crybaby, got to admit it. But this church sings that like nobody's business in the, in, in the anthems and whatnot. So we've got this music thing going on, okay? That's a really important part. If, I mean, if it says in the Bible they sang hymns in Acts 2, okay, that's probably an important thing to it. And the preaching, come on, give me a break. We've got a theology professor. You can't get better teaching than that. You just, there's nothing, okay? You just, you just doesn't doesn't do it. So this church in many, many ways has got that Acts 2 thing going on, and that's, I think it's really good. Well, let's get back to my buddy Roger. My buddy Roger, like, a, like several of the people that I know, um, just doesn't come to church. He doesn't experience the kind of things that we can experience. He can't, uh, he, he can't, th this kind of thing fosters my relationship with the Lord. It makes me key in on it, not just on Sundays, but, but all week long. We, we walk out of here, and it's like, yeah, we just been to church, man. You know, this is, it's, it's great. Well, I want Roger to experience that, so what can I do? There's a number of different things that I could do for Roger. I could, I could drop off a Bible. <clears throat> Roger, here's a, here's a Bible. Take a look at it, or one of those little tracks or something. What are the chances? He's not going to read. He's not going to read that. He's not, it's not his thing. He's not interested in it, Okay. Well, you know what I could do? I got an idea. I could go up and knock on his door. Roger comes to the door. Roger, hell is hot, and it's forever. And I think you're going there. Okay, well, I just got done reading Lazarus and the Rich Man, and I'm Gehenna, and how well would that go over? Okay, Roger slammed the door. We'd never be friends anymore and everything. Well, what can I do? 
What can we do if we've got a Roger in our lives? We can pray for him. Biggest single thing is always our last resort should be our first resort is to pray for, pray to God for whatever is going on in our lives. And this happens to be a, kind of a big thing for me because um, I would love to have, as I've said about 15 times now, I would love to have Roger experience what we experience. Well, I could pray for him. The other thing is I could stop off and have coffee with him and, and get, let him know what a difference knowing the Lord and, and coming to church has made in my life, how I'm a different person. Now, I'm not, I'm not any holier than the next guy. I mean, I'm telling you, you, those of you who know me know that I slip of the tongue once in a while, and I might have two beers instead of one, and it's just, oh, I lose my temper, but don't tell Sue. Um, but it's made a difference in my life. Knowing Jesus, coming to church, being part of a church family, reading the Bible, all these things have made a difference and they made a difference in my marriage, my relationships with people, and I want this for Roger and his family. So I could, I could just talk to him and have coffee with him and witness to him, let him see the difference that, that having a relationship with God has made in my life, and it has. And the last thing that I could do, and probably the single, one, well, one of the single most important things that I could do is I could invite him to church. Now, there's a good chance that Roger's not going to show up, okay? Real good chance that Roger's going to say, eh, well, I, you know, I got golf that, that morning, or the kids got soccer, or I don't know. I don't, but... What if I prayed real hard and witnessed real hard and gave it to God in his time and kept like the persistent widow a couple chapters later in the Gospel of Luke that kept on going and going and going. Maybe, maybe, maybe he will relent and maybe, just maybe he'll, he'll stop and show up. Okay, and if he does, he walks in the door and Gordon holds the door shut for him. No, no, he, he wouldn't do that. Um, and he comes and he sits next back with us because um, we're sitting behind Harold back there and he, uh, he, gets, he gets a welcome, you know, people, hi, how you doing? They don't rom all over him and make him feel uncomfortable but in a non-awkward manner he's like, okay, this is, it's all right and he comes and he sits behind us and Kim starts cranking on the organ. She's going to town and she's got those foot pedals going and Harold starts singing and it's like, it's like, what a friend we have in Jesus. And he's like, oh, people around me getting into it. This is, this is like cool, you know? And he doesn't, so he's taking all this in. And then he goes out, and, uh, and somebody has a cup of coffee with him. And, and, oh, this coffee's pretty good. You know, it's fresh. It's all right. And, oh, look at those cookies. And he tries one. And he goes home, and I don't hear from him for a week or two. All of a sudden, I hear from Roger, bump into him at Wegmans. And he says, Doc, you know what? He says, that church thing wasn't all that bad. I said, Roger, that's great. That is great. That's the best news I've heard, and I can't tell you when. What happens if a week later he shows up with his wife and his children? His kids go downstairs, and they're strong. They're rock and rolling down there, and they're having a good time and learning. And then they go upstairs, and they learn about Jesus. Okay, huh? And his wife bumps into somebody that she knows from the PTA. Okay? And they go out of here, and they had such a good time that they talk about it over lunch. And maybe midweek, they say, you know, she says, you know, I wouldn't mind going back. That's true. You know, let's next Sunday. We got nothing. Come on, what are you saying? And they come back. This is my prayer. 
okay? And they come back. And then the next week, they come back again. And all of a sudden, one day, um, Roger comes up to me and he says, Hey, uh, Doc, uh, tell me a little bit more about that Wednesday Bible study thing you got going on. It can happen. It can happen with enough prayer, with enough whatnot. That's, that's, and I got, I got more, way more than five brothers. Some of the people that I know that don't come to church have been burned by a church. They had bad experiences with a church. Um, other people just, they, they don't know. They're kind of in limbo, like agnostic. They're just, I don't know about this God thing. You know, well, maybe. And others are just like, nope, ain't, ain't happening. Like Roger, just no, no way. So there's all kinds of people all over the spectrum. Okay, some people who have been to church at one time and decided not to come back for whatever reason. But if we pray for them, if we keep after them. Because listen, you got to do it now. Don't wait till next month. Don't wait till you bump into them at Wegmans. Don't just put it off. Don't put it on a shelf. This is important. This is vitally, This is eternal significance that we're talking about. We're talking about Gehenna and paradise, the difference between for the people that you love and that you care about. So if you've got an uncle, got a cousin, got a relative, the person next door, a Roger that you used to work with, whatever, if you're going to, Invite them to church. Do it now because help me out. When you're dead, it's too, when you're dead, it's too late. Okay, can I pray? Heavenly Father, God, we love you. On this Father's Day, we're thinking of you in particular, Lord. What a father you are! What a friend we have in in Jesus. God, we praise you. We we give you all the glory, all the honor, and we ask for your help in this regard. Would you give us the courage? in the strength and uh, in the kick in the butt to go out and, and talk to the people that we love and that we care about, our friends, and help invite them to church because we figure that's probably the easiest way, possibly the easiest and most efficient way to get somebody to know you is if they come to church, have a good time, feel the commu- sense of community, and just get to know you, Lord. So that's our prayer, and we ask this in the awesome name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.